Secretary, please call the roll. Yes. Commissioner Buell? Here. Commissioner Anderson? Here. Commissioner Halsey? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. Commissioner Mazzola? Here. Commissioner Jupiter-Jones? Here. And Commissioner Griffin has an excused absence. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatishaloni peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatishaloni peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatishaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. Good morning and welcome to the Recreation and Park Commission of June 15, 2023. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall room 416 with options to join and provide public comment both in person and remotely. We ask that you please turn off electronic devices and take any secondary conversations outside in order for the meeting to proceed as efficiently as possible. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Unless otherwise announced by the president, each person will have two minutes for public comment on each item. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. If you would like to speak on any item today, we request but do not require you to complete a blue card. For those who would like to join the meeting remotely, you may view the meeting live on SFGovTV or via webinar using the link <coughs> provided at the top of today's agenda. You may provide public comment remotely via our webinar or via phone by calling 415-655-0001 using today's access code 2592-295-9370 and webinar password 0615. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on call, dial star 3 to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star 3. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting, during which time the system will be silent. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live <coughs> and streaming. Please address your comments to the Commission during public comment on items. In order to allow equal time for all, neither the Commission nor staff will respond to any questions during public comment. The Commission may ask questions of staff after public comment is closed. If there is an item of interest to you that is not on the agenda and is under the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission, you may speak under general public comment, and today that is item 4 and continue to item 11. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways, by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanyon Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. The following are short announcements for those of you joining us in person today. If the fire alarms activate, you must evacuate the building in an orderly fashion using any exit. Please note that elevators will immediately return to the first floor and are not available for use. If you need assistance out of the building, please make your way to the closest area of refuge, which is directly across the hall in the men's restroom. Inside the restroom is a speaker box. Press it and City Hall security will answer. Let them know your location and they will assist you. Okay, please note that this commission meeting is being recorded and will be available for later viewing on sfgovtv.org. We are now on item two, the president's report. 
Thank you very much. Um, very briefly, uh, some announcements. We will not be holding capital or operations committee meetings in July, but we will be holding the commission regularly scheduled meeting on July 20th at 10 a.m. All regularly scheduled August meetings will be canceled, so that gives everybody a little relief. And uh, just to note, two uh, events for this month, happy Pride Month and happy Juneteenth. And with that, I pass the gavel over to Commissioner Louie for an AAPI Heritage Luncheon update. AAPI Luncheon, um, it was quite the turnout. Um, I was astonished. Over 300 uh, workforce people and staff attended the the do, luncheon. Do you want to let people know what AAPI stands for? Oh, the Asian American uh, Pacific Islander. Well, President Biden has renamed it a longer acronym, but we'll just go with AAPI. Um, General Manager Ginsburg was sweating. He was working so hard because the the uh, the food display. Now we know why it was called Eats because the food was on literally two walls. It uh, would equal any Las Vegas buffet for sure. But General Manager Ginsburg was working hard, him and his volunteer staff beside him. I mean, they served over 350 attendees, I would say. And thank you, uh, um, Vice President Anderson and Hallisey and Ashley. Thank you for coming. It was a really fun day. They had singing, they had karaoke to Backstreet Boys, we did line dancing, it was wild. And um, the food was off the chart. There were two roast pigs that were like not a morsel left after. So um, thank you to the department for uh, bringing this luncheon back. Uh, the, the walnut shell, the walnut out of it uh, the whole entire day was the workforce. Um, I think over 25% of um, the workforce in the department are Asian. But there are two specific data points that I want to um, bring out. I looked into the, um, I was just quite surprised to turn out the racial equity action plan that was introduced to us some months ago. I went home and looked it up and surprisingly and really wonderful, as far as park rangers in the park, the current park ranger workforce consists of 31% Asian and 25% Filipino. So the park rangers, 56% of them are of Asian heritage, which represents 52 different cultures, by the way, not just one or two, 52. So we have Samoan, Tongan, Fijian. Um, and the whopping data for the day is the current permanent <coughs> custodian workforce consists of 63% Asian hired and 7.5% Filipino, which totals a whopping 70.5% custodial help. So I know why, because uh, Asians like to keep a clean house, and so we like to keep a clean park and playgrounds. So. Thank you, President Buell. Thank you, Commissioner Louie, and that concludes the President's report. Commissioner Hallisey. Oh, sorry, Commissioner Hallisey, I'm not paying attention. She is very humble, Commissioner Louie is. Let's also tell everyone that you were honored 
that day. Hmm. You are the first Asian female to ever sit on this commission, I believe. Correct? Second? I was told I am the second woman. Oh. The first woman was named Maggie Wei, W-E-I, and she was appointed by uh, Mayor Ed Lee. But she only oh, sat on the commission for right. um, a short time, and she no longer even lives in San Francisco. Right. Her name okay. was Maggie Wei. Right. So she attended uh, President Buell's been meetings. on the commission so long that you remember Maggie Wei? I, I do remember Maggie Wei, and I remember Ed Lee appointing her, and then I remember that I, th I believe her husband got a change in venue, and they moved. But she was with us for a couple of months. Well, you have passed her in years of service, though, for sure. She, yeah, that's right. Dedication. and seniority. So it's an honor to sit with all of you because if you look at the equity, um, which is a very interesting book, I would bring that out, Racial Equity Action Plan. If you look at the entire workforce department, they look like the United Nations. It's uh, as far as equality and opportunity for to excel. We heard personal testimonies from Jimmy Chin and Tracy Fan, where they work their way up. They stay within the department because of the opportunities offered. So um, hats off to the department. Thank you, Commissioner, and congratulations on your award. And with that, it concludes the President's report. Is there any public comment in Room 416 on Item 2, the President's report? Okay, seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our WebEx? No hands raised. Okay, seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. We're now on item three, the general manager's report. Good morning, uh, commissioners. Happy happy summer. Um, I also uh, want to say happy uh, happy Pride and happy, happy Juneteenth. There's so much happening in our parks for both of these wonderful uh, celebrations uh, this coming month. Um, we'll start with, with Pride, which Obviously, San Francisco is known internationally as a place where diversity is embraced and all are welcome. Uh, that's why San Francisco's Pride celebration now in its 53rd year draws hundreds of thousands of people annually, making it one of the largest LGBTQ events on the planet, and obviously at a time when, uh, sadly, LGBTQ plus rights are still under attack in state legislatures all across the country. Uh, putting our own values on display is critical, so I'm wearing my Pride pin today. Um, so some Pride events. This Saturday, the famed Pink Triangle will be displayed atop Twin Peaks during an 11 a.m. ceremony. This uh, San Francisco tradition is now in its 28th year and uh, once a symbol of Nazi persecution and has been reclaimed as a symbol of pride. Volunteers are still needed for this huge undertaking and anyone interested can sign up at sfpride.org. Also this Saturday is the National AIDS Memorial Volunteer Work Party in Golden Gate Park, where volunteers will plant trees, flowers, and shrubs, remove brush and debris, support infrastructure projects, uh, and I understand there, there uh, may be a, a former Democratic leader and former Speaker of the House uh, uh, rolling up her sleeves and doing a little planting herself. Uh, to sign up, visit our volunteer programs page at sfrecpark.org. Also, the 20th is the annual Trans March happening on Friday, June 23rd. Also, the 20th annual Trans March is Friday, June 23rd at Dolores Park. This year's, this yearly celebration draws in thousands of people to the park, and it's followed by a march uh, through city streets. Saturday, the 24th, kicking out transphobia soccer event taking place at 
James Lang Athletic Field celebrating trans, non-binary, queer soccer players and athletes. This groundbreaking event, this is the first time it's been held, will feature youth matches from 9 to 11 a.m. and adult matches from 11 to 1. And then finally, uh, the big parade, uh, Saturday, June 24th, Sunday, June 25th, are the annual Pride celebrations at Civic Center featuring an array of performers, lots of food options, fun, everything else that embodies our city's spirit. Uh, and then the Pride Parade along Market Street includes Rec and Park uh, staff marching. So you won't want to miss that. It starts at 1030. Uh, Juneteenth, celebrating freedom and liberation for all black Americans and particularly for San Francisco's black community, which has obviously shrunk significantly over the last decades. Juneteenth symbolizes resilience. And uh, this is, I think, the first time the holiday will be officially observed on Monday, June 19th. So many events are happening citywide this month, including last week's inaugural Juneteenth Parade on Market Street, this Saturday's 73rd annual Fillmore Juneteenth Freedom Festival, and then our Bayview Juneteenth celebration at Gilman Playground from noon to six. Free event will feature live music and performances, food, local businesses, the Black Millionaire Marketplace, carnival rides, kids activities, a Father's Day tent and more. Uh, we look forward to seeing everyone out there. Oh, also, uh, I, shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't overlook wonderful Juneteenth celebrations in the music concourse all weekend tonight. Uh, three amazing performances at the Bandshell uh, and a brand uh, new exhibit at the concourse. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm pulling up my a different note here because I want to get the name of the uh, the name of the installation correct. Uh, it is um, called Polarity, uh, which was installed actually yesterday. And if you go out to the band shell, the Lift Every Voice band shell uh, today, and I will, I, I am going to be out there this afternoon. You'll see uh, two uh, gigantic flags: a white flag and a black flag, uh, sort of sandwiching the stage. And it's very dramatic and very embracing and inspiring. Um, and so come out and see it. If not this weekend at some point, please, please see that new installation. Um, we got some good news from the Trust for Public Land uh, late last month. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right sports team metaphor to roll with here. But you know we do end up in the top 10 quite frequently in these rank rankings. So we're on a bit of a roll uh, among all park systems in the, in the uh, country's 100 most populous cities. We were ranked seventh. Uh, which is good. We've been number one. We've been number three. We've been number nine. We've been number five every year. They tweak the rankings a little bit and comes up with different formulas. But the point being, whether we're, you know, first, third, fifth, seventh, eleventh, fourteenth, is that we consistently remain in the top among the top park systems in America's cities, and that's something that we should all be proud about. Um, we particularly did uh, rank very strongly in park access and park investment. Uh, obviously reflecting our, the fact that we are, I think, uh, well, we're the first, and I think now we're one of two uh, cities in America where we all live within a 10-minute walk of a park, uh, and obviously the amount of money that the city spends on parks. And this is not just our local system. Just for everybody to know, these rankings do include uh, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, the Presidio, Candlestick State Park. Uh, they define park broadly, so it, so it looks at our entire uh, system of, of of parks, which hovers around, I think, 20, 21% green space. 
and I've been thinking a lot about the, you know, the both the president's and the governor's 30 by 30 initiative, and you know, maybe we should be going for 30 percent. Um, all right, uh, Stern Grove returns this weekend. Uh, uh, yet, uh, you know, it doesn't really feel like summer. I, I have not taken off a ski cap and a scarf in the sunset yet. <laughs> getting a little annoying. Uh, here it's, I guess, a little warmer to the east. But another indication that summer is here is the return of the very fun and very free Stern Grove Music Festival. The 86th annual Stern Grove Festival kicks off this Sunday with performances by Grammy-winning jazz and funk ensemble Snarky Puppy and guitar prodigy Isaiah Sharkey. The festival started in 1938 and over the decades has become a staple for music lovers across the Bay Area, something we all look forward to every summer. This season features superstars like Patti Smith, the Indigo Girls, the Flaming Lips, Lyle Lovett, the San Francisco Symphony, and many others. Although the concerts are free, tickets are reserved on a first-come, first-served basis. And because these concerts are wildly popular, reservations do fill up fast. So uh, jump on it if you want to see some music this summer. Uh, tickets are available uh, one month before each show and can be found at sterngrove.org. And just an uh, additional personal note uh, to the Stern Grove uh, leadership, Matthew Goldman, uh, Bob Fiedler, uh, Matthew's brother Jason, and the entire Stern Grove board, uh, that space and that nonprofit has had a tough few years. We have seen everything. Uh, we have seen a water main break, which is still not fixed. We have seen we have seen storm damage to our beloved Trocadero, but also to the stage and some of the some of the uh, back office area that Stern Grove relies on. We have seen, regrettably, uh, remarkable vandalism in the space at different times. Uh, and I really want to just applaud and thank. Stern Grove for their resilience and their patience because the truck is not an easy fix, right? It's, we're going to have, it's, it's not going to be accessible for a little while. And they've had all kinds of other, we've all together had all kinds of other challenges down in the space. And I'm just uh, very grateful to our friends over at the, the Stern Grove Foundation and to my own staff uh, for understanding how special this event is and making sure that we're doing everything we can to give the Stern Grove folks a smooth the smooth ride they deserve this summer. Um, <clears throat> last week, we had such an, uh, we were blessed with such an honor, and I don't know that it got, a, frankly, enough, enough attention. Uh, the Highline Network, which was created after the Highline was built, it was a, sort of a legacy nonprofit uh, to help cities who are engaged in similar projects that sort of reclaim former industrial space. Uh, and you know, lessons learned from the High Line is that when you come in and you build one of America's great spaces in a neighborhood, it's gonna have some unintended impacts, such as you know, displacement and, and rent increases and things like that. So as part of its you know, commitment to share lessons learned from that project, the High Line Network was, was born. It is a national nonprofit with representatives from, you know, mostly nonprofit representatives, but from all over the country. Uh, they held their inaugural policy lab here in San Francisco. It was a really engaging, uh, future-focused conference that uh, delved into new approaches within infrastructure reuse park projects. 
Uh, and our very own India Basin was the star of the show. Uh, the Policy Lab was also organized by the Washington, D.C.'s 11th Street Bridge Park, which has been a bit of a North Star for us, and the Urban Institute. The conference included panels and site visits to our city parks, including India Basin Shoreline Park, the Eco Center in Heron's Head. Uh, we spent some time in Golden Gate Park, where uh, Local 261 partnered with us, and we had some of our uh, young people from Greenagers talk about the importance of youth development and workforce development. Uh, it was really exciting. Uh, I got to participate in uh, one of the conversations about infrastructure reuse and community wealth. The conversation focused on community wealth, using projects like this for community wealth development, which is the whole goal of our India Basin effort, uh, focusing on workforce and economic development in the communities they serve. Um, many thanks are, are due to Jackie Flynn, Kurt Grimes from the A. Philip Randolph Institute, a woman named Yoshida Pitts. Yoshida Pitts was a, is a graduate of one of our workforce training programs. Uh, uh, Commissioner Halsey, I think you were, got to sp spend time at the graduation. Uh, Yoshida is now working for Swinerton. Uh, she is raising a child in the Bayview and has had her share of struggles. She's actually, you know, uh, been on parole, uh, but really was very devoted to turning her, her life around. She was the basically number one star of our first workforce uh, training cohort, and she is now, she doesn't just have a job, she now has a career. Uh, she is a member of local Labor's Local 261. She is working with Swinerton, and she came back to participate in this panel discussion with all these mucky mucks from all across the country. It was really quite a beautiful moment. Uh, so thanks to Yoshida. I uh, also want to thank our City Build Operations uh, Manager, Janet Gomes, uh, McQuell Penn from Swinerton for participating in a panel called India Basin Waterfront Park's Approach to Community Engagement Through Construction, and uh, many folks on, on our own team, Greenager Program Manager, Carissa Ortega, Gardner Apprentice Program Manager, Mark Tilly, and uh, uh, Gardner Teresa Perez for participating in a panel called Modeling Partnerships for Successful Workforce Development. Our very own Vince Courtney participated on that panel too. Uh, it was uh, really a great week and made us very proud of, of our efforts. We know that we're doing something important. It's hard work, but you know it's important work. And uh, so it was a good moment for our city uh, and for our uh, efforts in the Bayview and at India Basin specifically. Um, turning to downtown. This week, the Mayor's Office, Reckon Park, and another Planet Entertainment announced a proposal to bring three free concerts to our downtown plazas. That includes one at Civic Center, one at Union Square, and one at Embarcadero Plaza. Uh, each year of the lease that uh, this commission approved and sent to the Board of Supervisors, where it is still uh, stuck, as I shall say, uh, uh, that uh, would, if we are able to move forward with the second week of concerts in, in Golden Gate Park, which will bring approximately $2 million in needed revenue to this department and significant economic impact to our hotels, our restaurants, uh, our, uh, our workforce, IATSE. Uh, it's, it, this is important stuff. Uh, uh, but hearing and leaning in to very reasonable interests in continuing to think about ways to activate downtown uh, another planet, actually, uh, they, are, they are here, they care about the city, and they agreed uh, to uh, co-host with us three free shows in these downtown corridors starting in 2024. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, other developments have been an agreement between another planet and MTA 
that also starting in 2024, there will be a uh, small uh, surcharge passed on to uh, ticket holders that will help uh, underwrite uh, MTA's transit, allowing riders to ride for free uh, and allowing for more service to reduce impact on the neighborhoods in and out of the uh, concert areas in Golden Gate Park, which was a great development. And at uh, Supervisor and Guardio's request, Another Planet has also agreed to add uh, $10,000 for the second round of shows to its community pot, which it hosts for sun the Sunset and for the Richmond districts uh, as a thank you and a recognition that these shows do have some impact on the neighborhoods. And it is up to the district, each of the district supervisors to work with uh, their constituents to figure out how they want that money spent. Um, so all in all, uh, uh, Another Planet uh, and Rec and Park have uh, kind of heard the, the feedback and kind of leaned in and I'm uh, very grateful to Another Planet for understanding uh, the importance of continuing to invest in our city. Uh, we hope, although we are not sure, that the supervisors will hear this proposal next Thursday. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, adaptive bike programs return to Golden Gate Park. Uh, this month also marks the return of our adaptive bike program at Golden Gate Park and Great Highway. The free program provides adaptive bikes through reservations. Uh, it started last week, uh, June 10th, and runs through the end of October. What's special about this program is that it gives everyone, including those with mobility differences, a chance to explore Golden Gate Park and everything it has to offer and Ocean Beach on a bicycle. Uh, the program is made possible thanks to our partnership with the Bay Area Outreach and Recreation Program, acronym BORP, and the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. Uh, the program happens at the music concourse right behind the band shell and next to the new ex fully accessible parking lot on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Down at the Great Highway, the program takes place at the end of Judah Street on the second and fourth Saturdays of the month. To reserve an adaptive bike, you can email uh, cycling at borp.org, cycling at borp, B O R P.org, or call Borp's Cycling Center at 510-848-2930 by and try to make a reservation by 5 p.m. on the Thursday before each program date so they know how many bikes to bring. Lastly, I wanted to mention, and I'm very grateful to Commissioner Anderson, uh, and not just grateful, but uh, uh, admiring of her how many nights five night five night 50 miles yes come on brag <laughs> five nights 50 mile backcountry trek uh in hetch hetchy up and around mather where uh she concluded did you conclude your journey at mather or start it started and ended started and ended her at your mather. your journey at mather where you got to greet staff wish uh the amazing neil fay a happy birthday 96 uh, years young. 96 years old, young, and Camp Mather <coughs> is 99 years young, to put that in perspective. <laughs> this is the 99th season of Camp Mather. Uh, <coughs> and obviously, it's been a bumpy few years between fires and COVID, but we are back. Uh, so far, only one power outage and a thunderstorm to speak of in the first week or two. Um, but it requires an all-hands-on-deck effort from Rec and Park staff, including our gardeners, our tree toppers, custodians, our rec team, structural maintenance yard. So I wanted to give a big shout-out to the hardworking staff that ensure each season is a memorable one. Uh, the yard this year has been busy on projects like uh, a new pergola, assembling a yurt to provide new housing for other staff. They helped install new ovens. They painted staff restrooms, etc. cetera. Um, 
Thanks to everyone. We look forward to this season and next, which will be our hundredth. More to come on that. We do currently have 10 sites available for the week of June 25th uh, and actually throughout the summer. So we work the waiting list and then if people on the waiting list uh, are unavailable to attend the weeks that are available, we open it up to members of the public. So if you're still, if you're Mather curious, uh, please uh, email MatherReservations at sfgov.org, MatherReservations at sfgov.org. We do have availability and if you do happen to be in a tent on the week of June 25th, you are likely to see uh, the general manager uh, doing dishes and working the food lines behind the kitchen. That will be my time up there. And that, Mr. President, concludes the general manager. Phil, I'd just like report. to add to, to thank the friends of Camp Mather, Bochum, because they also did work and made new curtains and things like that for the cabins. Commissioner Anderson, thank you. That is uh, uh, my, overs uh, my oversight. Thank you for calling them out. The friends of Camp Mather have been fabulous. Uh, uh, this has been hard to get this camp up and running again, so a special uh, shout out and sincere thanks to Focum uh, for all they do to help us make Camp Joyous for everyone. Thank you very much, Commissioner Hallisey. A uh, quick comment um, on Phil's comments about Yoshida <coughs> and what a great story that is. Um, I was at the ceremony celebrating her completion of training uh, along with others and she has had a tough life, and she gave a, a beautiful speech that evening, and her last thought that she passed on to the audience was, and this was said through tears, she said, I am now proud of myself, and for the first time, my family is proud of me. And I, to me, it, it, it just kind of brought down the house, and it, it uh, it just showed what a life-changing moment it was for her, and especially to hook on with, with Swinnerton. Um, it just, it was a great event, a great evening, and it, it just shows what can happen when people reach out to you and help you. And uh, it, was, it was very enjoyable, and I'm thrilled for Yoshida. It's just great. Thank you, Commissioner. All right, we'll now move to public comment on item three, the general manager's report. <coughs> Is there anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment on item three? Okay, seeing none. For those on our <coughs> WebEx, you can dial star three to raise your hand, but I see no hands raised. So public comment is closed on item three. We're now on item four, general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. With respect to agenda items, you will have opportunity to address the commission when the item is reached in the meeting. I'm gonna start with one blue card that I have here, but if you wanna speak on this item, you are more than welcome to come up after Fran Martin. I know you can't see this, but it's evidence. You can go online to find it. Um, there is a path towards purchasing the 590 Leland site using our Visitation Valley developers' impact fees, which will eventually uh, get up to $30 million. My printer is broken, so I've emailed you page 10 of the Visitation Valley impact fee update showing the McLaren Park trail improvement project and that the 590 Leland parcel is integral to the project. 590 is already necessary to an existing impact fee project. It is already on the acquisitions list. I am asking that you move quickly to approve purchase of the 
site to avoid its being sold to a private party, which would create an unsafe bottleneck on the trail, destroy public views and sunlight on parkland, and just forever disrupt continuity of the open space. Although adjacent to McLaren Park, the people of this valley actually have poor access to the park. This stretch of open space offers an entryway to the park. In the near future, our neighborhood will be riding the city approximately 10,000 new housing units. While other neighborhoods fight new housing, we embrace it. This is a matter of equity and environmental justice. Please enter into negotiations to purchase the 590 Leland site as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to speak for general public comment? Okay, seeing none, is there anyone on our WebEx who has their hands raised? No raised hands. Seeing no further public comment, public comment is closed. We're now on item five, the consent calendar. Before I move to public comment on the consent calendar, commissioners, is there anything you'd like to remove from the consent calendar? Don't see any. Okay, so I'll take public comment on item five. I have a blue card from Amy who'd like to speak on items 5C and 5E. So I'll start with 5C. Sure. Great. Hello, my name is Amy Callender, representing San Francisco Parks Alliance. I'd like to share a little about the Bench Program. In addition to the funding the program generates, um, the program is self-supporting. The program creates deeper community engagement in our park system. The program gives people a space to remember a loved one or commemorate a special event. People who have a plaque visit their bench often with friends and family. They engage with gardeners and other staff. They report on graffiti, maintenance and vandalism issues, and they get to know other frequent visitors to their park. This sense of stewardship is a unique and natural outcome of the program and fosters stronger park communities. Although this is an intangible outcome of the program, we believe it to be one of the most important. Thank you. So for 5E, along with our fiscally sponsored partner, the Dali Society of California, we're pleased to provide up to $250,000 of in-kind grant funding for repair and maintenance improvements to the Dali Dell Hillside Garden in Golden Gate Park. This may include construction and design services related to projects including replacement of the retaining walls, pathway upgrades, increased ADA accessibility, and creation of a viewing area. The hillside renovation built on previous work we've done with the Dali Society to improve the teardrop-shaped garden. This is a needed improvement for gardener safety as their committed volunteer base ages. Since 2010, the Dali Society has partnered with SF Parks Alliance and the Rec and Park Department to support the community's engagement, advocacy, and development of greater financial resources to benefit the Dali Adele and Golden Gate Park. It's been our pleasure to support RPD in promoting gardening education and the Dahlia Dale's long history in San Francisco, while providing an opportunity for San Franciscans and visitors to experience this special space. We're excited and committed to the repair and maintenance improvements, which we believe will enhance access to the experience for all visitors who come to admire the beautiful blooms of San Francisco's official flower. Thank you. Nicely Thank you done. very much. Okay, is there anyone else in the room who'd like to comment on item five, the consent calendar? Okay, seeing none, is there anyone on our WebEx with their hand raised? Seeing no hands raised, public comment is closed. Commissioners. We, oh yes, the commissioners have to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Minor issue. Chair would entertain a motion. Move to approve. <laughs> Moved and seconded, all those in favor. Aye. 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 So moved, thank you. Okay, we're now on item six, the San Francisco Zoo Report. 
SFGov TV, she has a, a presentation. Oh, shoot. Go back. <laughs> OK. OK. Good morning. Nancy Chan, San Francisco Zoological Society. Um, June 8th was World Oceans Month. I'm sorry, real, uh, World Oceans Day. And due to our proximity to the Pacific Ocean, we generally celebrate the day for the entire month. SFZoo has worked to bring the message of healthy oceans and marine life to the forefront, from our Coastal Center pop-up for visiting students and researchers, to partnering with the Greater Fallon's National Marine Sanctuary on Communications Initiatives. Our location next to the ocean provides us with a unique opportunity to talk about the need to protect and save our oceans. Currently, you can see migrating humpback whales breaching right from the beaches. Oops. Okay. Um, also on June 8th, we held our, uh, um, our beach cleanup day on World Oceans Day with nearly 50 volunteers from the general public and zoo members along with uh, zoo staff. In just two hours, they picked up almost 500 pounds of garbage from Ocean Beach. That included cigarettes, plastic bottles, and other garbage, including rugs and furniture. Overall, it was a huge success. Over Memorial Day weekend, we debuted our summer programming lineup with uh, Summer Wildlife Weekends. This includes opportunities to view animal feedings at scheduled times, keeper talks at our big cat areas, and presentations in our wildlife theater, including story time, a biofact presentation featuring skulls, feathers, and more, and finally, a fun interactive presentation starring many of our animal ambassadors, most of which are rescued. Oops, I got to go back. This is a cautionary tale of why it's important that coins are not tossed into our animal habitats, especially the penguin pool. Recently, it was found that one of our female Magellanic penguins named Tootsie did not breed this year, as she is a prolific breeder. She was brought to the zoo hospital for examination and x-rays and found that she had ingested several coins. Coins can cause severe GI problems and can be fatal. You can see on the right all the coins that have been um, removed from her digestive system. Um, these coins were removed, and after a period of recovery, she is back to normal health. Penguins are curious birds and like shiny objects. This is not the first time she has swallowed coins. We ask the public to please read the signs that are posted about throwing things in the penguin's habitat. Um, San Francisco Zoo has been partnering with Yosemite National Park on frog restoration projects for many years, and we also rear western pond turtles for repopulation projects there. Recently, a large population of turtles were found in a metal system in Yosemite that is slated for major habitat restoration. During this time, it was found that several turtles were killed by predators, and two of these were severely injured but alive. These turtles were brought to the zoo for triage and care for limb amputation and will be well enough to be re-released over the next few months. Unfortunately, limb injuries are, and loss are not uncommon in wild turtles. You can see that these turtles have three legs. Poor things. 
Summer Zoo Camp. Summer Zoo Camp is here, which officially starts on Monday, June 19th. Known as Summer Conservation Camp, participants learn about animals, habitats, biodiversity hotspots, and conservation efforts while exploring the different regions of Earth here at the zoo. Campers will journal like a scientist, have fun with STEM activities, meet with animal care staff, and connect with animals. The camp runs through August 11th and is geared to kindergarten to sixth grade. And these are the instructors during training. So I have to apologize. I was going to bring story box keys for you all. <laughs> so we had new story boxes installed. You remember the original talking story books where with a turn of an elephant key, you would hear all the animals in the zoo jump up and down for you. That was 1959. And since then, we've had a number of versions of the story box here, including solar powered ones. This past week, we installed all new story boxes for the first time in 18 years. The colorful story boxes tell fun facts about the animals with conservation messaging. You can also see we have new zoo keys in the shape of a snow leopard. Um, our greater one-horned rhino, Gahati, turned 28 years old recently. He was presented with two enrichment items, or giant toys. One was a big round scratcher that was previously used by our black rhino and still has his scent. So it was very interesting for Gahati. He also received the brand new Tipsy Tom, a big top like toy that he played with for hours. And if you want to see any of these uh, in, uh, on our TikTok or Instagram, I recommend because they're a lot of fun. Enrichment like these provides stimulation both mentally and physically. We also had a, a huge school group watching him that day, so it was a kick for him to see, for them to see a, a rhino birthday party. Really important matters. Tenzing's 10th birthday. We did a hang 10 with Tenzing's 10th birthday for our, um, our, our red panda. It was a surfer theme party. And this photo is him training to surf. It's actually a standing behavior that red pandas do to, to appear larger when they are threatened. But in this case, he stood up for treats. And again, you could see the video of Tenzing's party on our Instagram where he actually wiped out. Pride months. Uh, SF Zoo is celebrating Pride Month by recognizing Pride throughout the zoo with colorful decor. In addition, the week before the culmination of Pride Month, uh, we will be presenting animals with Pride theme enrichment to include our chimpanzees, orangutans, lemurs, and more, and snow leopard. Lastly, this month is Zoo and Aquarium Month, and a spotlight for this month is more about the role zoos and aquariums play around um, beyond sharing wildlife with the public and providing care for exotic animals. Our industry plays an important and vital role in wildlife conservation, working together and cooperatively with other zoos to manage and sustain populations under human care, working directly in field conservation programs, conducting research, and sharing knowledge. Zoos and aquariums educate all ages and bring awareness to the plight of wild places and wild things. And of course, zoos are fun, engaging, and your visit is different every time. I think I'm going to go to Vince's Vince. item. Um, let's first take public comment on this and see if the commissioners have any questions. And then I've already promoted Vince to presenter, so he's ready to go. Um, is there any public comment on item six, the San Francisco Zoo report? <coughs> seeing none in room 416, is there anyone with their hand raised? No hands raised. Okay, so seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners, do you have anything for this item? No, no, okay. no comments here. 
We are now on item seven, the San Francisco Zoo, fiscal year 2023-2024 budget. I have Vin Scrubs on the um, WebEx, and you're going to advance his slides, right? Okay. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself, Vince. I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Okay. So the first slide, you see a jaguar. Let's move to slide two. Uh, this slide shows the major budget assumptions taken into account in preparing the budget, attendance, wages and benefits, and new exhibits are the key drivers. Wages and benefits account for 69% of our total budget. We receive a $4 million management fee from the city. However, much of that is eaten up by utilities and parking tax paid back to the city. I'm getting feedback, can you hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Okay. I'll, I'll turn you down okay. a little bit and see if that okay. helps. And the last fiscal year, 1.28 million in utilities and 316,000 in parking tax went back, leaving us a net of 2.4 million. The zoo just began paying parking tax in May 2020, creating an immediate drop in revenue as the tax is included in the price of a parking ticket. Uh, the $4 million fee has not increased since the inception of the agreement in 1993, 30 years ago. Taking into account inflation and cost of living, the $4 million in 2023 does not go nearly as far as it did in 1993. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this pie chart breaks down the revenue sources as percentages of total revenues. The largest source of revenues continues to be admissions, representing 39% of total revenues. When you add in parking and retail, 48% of our total revenues come from daily visitors. <laughs> the next slide. Uh, the slide shows the revenue in tabular format. The total budget is 23.5 million, up less than 1% from the prior year budget. Note that current year operating revenues through May are down by 1.4 million, with admissions and membership accounting for nearly 95% of the shortfall. We budgeted attendance at 720,000 for fiscal 2024 compared to 750,000, 750,000 fiscal 2023. We're only trending to 644,000 in the current year. Attendance was tracking below budget anyway, but we took a major hit with the weather in January, February, and March. As a result, we budgeted lower attendance, but not as low as the current year levels. <laughs> Note that while attendance is budgeted lower, admissions revenue is budgeted higher. This is due to the fact that we budgeted paid attendance at 48.2% in 2023, but 54.6% in 2024, which more closely reflects where we are today. The prior year percentage was budgeted lower as we were still coming out of COVID and we're being very conservative in our approach. Uh, membership is budgeted lower as it is reflective of attendance. Most of our new memberships come through the front gate as conversion from admission tickets to memberships. <clears throat> uh, the next slide, please. This pie chart breaks down the major expense categories, animal care and wellness, and building and grounds, which includes maintenance, horticulture, and custodial services, account for 65% of our total expenses. This is consistent with prior years. <clears throat> uh, next slide, please. Uh, most of the expense light items are consistent with prior years, with overall expenses up less than 1% over the prior year budget. Most of the variances are personnel changes, the commissions increase due to the addition of a VP of guest services, and the transfer of a director from fundraising to admissions. General administrative increase due to the hiring of a director of people, culture, and belonging, as well as raises for people who had an increase since pre-COVID. Uh, education increased with the addition of winter and spring camps. 
marketing decreased with less spin on advertising. <clears throat> and lastly, <clears throat> in the current year through May, repair and maintenance expenses are one or $900,000 over budget. Many of the expenses were storm-related. For, for instance, we spent $75,000 on repair of the perimeter fencing with still another $70,000 to go. Tree trimming and the removal of downed trees cost about $112,000. And note the repair and maintenance projects are particularly hard to fundraise for as a fallen tree or a broken fence is not nearly as sexy as animals. But of course, it all has to get done. And that's my budget presentation. Thank you. Okay, do we have any public comment on item seven in room 416? Okay, seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our WebEx? No hands raised. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? I have a question. I don't know if Vince is the right person to answer. Uh, if we have an expense of a million dollars on fundraising, what's the revenue side of that item? Oh, that's very hard to answer yeah I'm it's hard to answer how much comes in from fundraising from a one billion dollar fundraise Wait, I'm sorry from one million dollar fundraise what how much comes in on that yeah you the, under your expense item you show a million dollars for fundraising and I'm curious what amount of money is raised on the revenue side from oh I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah um Well, our fundraising on the expense on the, uh, I do have the answer. I don't have it in front of me. I can walk away and get it for you. Um, well, I, yeah, I'm interested in what, what the percentage and how that works out. Uh, it's not a critical issue, but it's, I think it's an important one. Uh, you don't need to give it to me now, Vince. We well, for instance, for instance, our zoo camp, or I'm sorry, a zoo fest, we just completed raised over $900,000 and the expenses on that were roughly $350,000 as an example. Right. I guess I'd like to just see the total in total, but it doesn't have to happen now, Vince. Uh, but I'd okay, like I to, can get that for you. I, I can get that I would for like you. to get it at some point. Okay. Any comments or questions from the commission? And uh, is this an action item? Yes. And the chair would entertain a motion. Move approval of the fiscal year 2023-2024 budget at the San Francisco Zoo. Second. Been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Vince. We are now on item 8, HERS Playground Recreation Center Contract Award. I'm actually going to kick this off with uh, some introductions, so give me one second here. Okay, so uh, uh, do you want to, are you, you going to come up? I'm going to introduce you. So uh, first of all, a quick thank you to Alexis Ward, who's not here uh, uh, today. She's on break. Uh, she's been the project manager that has driven this project up until this point. Uh, we are really pleased that this partnership with Mercy and Related has come to fruition uh, as this project and their neighboring project are going to be obviously very important for the, the Sunnydale community. And I also wanted to provide a quick introduction uh, uh, for Iwana, who recently joined us from Public Works. 
right? Where yeah. she uh, worked as an architect on a number of RPD projects, including Trans Bay Block 3, the Ocean Beach Climate Adaptation Project restrooms, the Golden Gate Park Clubhouse, Margaret Hayward, and Glen Canyon. So it's sort of like this is kind of an easy transition, right? You're now just the client. <laughs> yeah, it's um, to kind of see both points of view. But right, right, okay. right. Uh, there's only one point of view, and that's what's in the best interest of our park users. <laughs> uh, she is a licensed architect, originally from Chicago, and has been in California for the last 12 years. Uh, and so we're really thrilled uh, to, to welcome you. For, so thanks for stepping in for Alexis. And then I think we have to also have two interns with us today that I'm going to just take a second and also uh, acknowledge, if I can uh, find Stacy's. There we go. Uh, is uh, Martine Kushner here? Martine, stand up. <laughs> and Sanjana Apachu. You are, they are working with us this summer. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the commission. And uh, thanks for all you're going to be doing to help keep San Francisco, to move San Francisco from seven to six, five, four, three, two, or one. So thank you both. <laughs> all right. I started as a capital and planning intern, so one day you may be the commission secretary. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. I started as an intern with the city as well, so it's there a go. good place to start. Um, good after good morning, I guess, commissioners. Um, thank you all for being here. Hi. And um, Phil, thank you for the introduction. Um, as he mentioned, my name is Joanna Goodwin. I am a new project manager with Rec and Park and very excited to be here and talk about this project. Um, you've seen this project before. We're super excited to reach this new milestone and we're hoping for your approval. HERS Playground, located in District 10, near the intersection of Visitation Avenue and Miss, Mrs. Jackson Way, is a six-plus acre facility within McLaren Park. It features a children's playground, a clubhouse, two basketball courts, a ball field, and Kaufman Pool. This project is being delivered through a partnership agreement with Sunnydale Infrastructure, LLC, which is a partnership between Mercy Housing California and Related California that is implementing a large-scale, multi-phase development program called Hope SF Sunnydale Neighborhood Development Plan. The grant agreement between Sunnydale LLC and the Recreation and Park Department was approved by the Commission and the Board of Supervisors in 2021. HERS Recreation Center is a named project in the 2020 Health and Recovery Bond. The concept plan was approved by the Commission in March 2021. And we have the full support of key community stakeholders, as mentioned in the staff report. Due to the funding sources, including federal, city, and private funds, a variety of regulatory requirements apply to the project. This project is covered by the Citywide Project Labor Agreement, PLA. We anticipate construction to begin in September 2023 and open to the public in early 2025, giving us a 15-month uh, construction schedule. Ruck and Park advertised the bid for the project on March 31st, 2023, and bids were opened on May 17th, 2023. We had three bids, and um, the tabulation of bids is attached to the staff report for additional review. SJ Amoroso Construction Co. LLC is the low bidder with a bid of $17.5 million. Compliance with the Contract Monitoring Division requirements and contractor qualifications have been confirmed. 
We recommend that the commission approve the contract award for the HERS Recreation Center to SJ Amoroso Construction Co. LLC in the amount of $17,548,200 to cover the base bid and bid alternates. Thank you very much and we hope for your approval. Thank you very much. Do we have any public comment on item eight in room 416? We do. Come on up. Hi everyone, my name is Leah and Lorena from Mercy Housing, and I'm really excited to see this project at this point. Um, we've been working with RPD on this project for a couple years now, and it's been amazing. Um, and we look forward to you know our continued partnership in making the rec center a reality for the Sunnydale and Fizz Valley residents. Um, I also grew up in San Francisco, did some community service at Jim McLaren Park, and to know that a new recreational center will soon come into reality for the residents and an underserved and often forgotten part of the city is amazing. So I hope you can all move, keep it, things moving forward. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay, and I, um, do I have anyone else in room 416 for this item, item eight? Okay, I have a, three hands raised on our WebEx. So if you could unmute the first caller, you'll have two minutes. You'll hear a chime at your 30 second warning. Good morning, Commissioners, um, and um, General Manager uh, Ginsburg, Ashley, and Iona. Uh, this is Stephen Deepak Kalani. Um, for reference, uh, I am the one of the District 11 uh, members of the Parker Rec Open Space Advisory Committee. And this Hertz Playground borders actually District 10 and District 11, which is. Uh, uh, in near McLaren Park. I just want to thank the Rec and Park staff uh, immensely for all their hard work uh, in bringing this community together. This is a much needed reservation for Visitation Valley and the outskirts of uh, Potrero and McLaren Park and even San Francisco. Um, I'm excited about it. I've participated in, in most of the meetings um, where Rec and Park gave many, many opportunities for the community to come together and pick what they wanted for their neighborhood. I support the funding in this, and um, I'm very excited to lend my support to um, RPD and um, all the endeavors they have taken to make this neighborhood whole and complete. Thank you very much. Next speaker. My name is Leanne Chang. I'm a board member at Walk San Francisco, but speaking for myself, um, I campaigned a lot for JFK and Golden Gate Park. And when I was doing that, I just met so many people from the southeast side of the city who said, "Like we want that, we want this also on our side of the city." And are you gonna, you know, are you gonna support us when that happens? Are we gonna get that too? And and I told them, "Yes, like we want that too." And so here I am, uh, supporting this project. Thank you so much. Thank you. As a reminder, we're on item eight, hers. Um, Playground, you might have been calling in about item 10, Shelley Promenade. Next speaker. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Sister Patsy Harney. I'm a sister of Mercy. I've been an employee of Mercy Housing for more than 30 years. For the last almost 15 years, I've been working directly in the Visitation Valley Sunnydale neighborhood. 
in the Services Division of Mercy Housing. I'm here to speak in support of the Recreation um, Center. This much needed Recreation Center will serve the highest percentage of underserved children in San Francisco. From my perspective, this is the most important reason to develop the new center. In my work in Visitation Valley, I had the opportunity to accompany Drew Jenkins and the Viz Valley youth to visit several recreation centers in the city. The youth were excited to see the possibilities for a rec center and so ready to add their suggestions for a new center in Visitation Valley. One of the biggest challenges to providing quality youth services currently in Visitation Valley Sunnydale neighborhood has been the lack of convenient, accessible recreation opportunities. In my experience, the Hearst Rec Center, where quality, convenient recreation activities can be provided, will be the resource that will enable the neighborhood community to promote solid youth development. I am enthusiastic in my support of the proposed HERS Recreation Center, and I urge its approval. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, uh, good morning, commissioners and general manager. This is Larry C. Jones, Jr., and I've been fighting with you guys on this campaign as an ally through the bond measure and through all this stuff. And I champion you guys for having the courage to finally do what's right for my community. And I'm speaking for Sunnyvale, the largest public housing project on the West Coast, who's been the most traumatized and the most underserved over the last two or three decades with a bunch of promises that have been broken. We've had to deal with minimal uh, comedies in terms of our rec center, our support from the city and all other aspects of city government. And now it's time that our kids don't have to risk their lives by traveling across communities just to play at the park. I have a place to do something fun outside of being around drug infested areas and violent filled neighborhoods. I'm advocating for the inclusiveness that our neighborhood has grown ethnically to where all people around this valley have come together to try to be inclusive as one community as where Sunnydale was always ostracized away from the Biz Valley norm. Park and Rec has the opportunity to finish this milestone accomplishment by approving Hearst renovation to where now we'll have some place for our kids to go and feel a part of this great city that they've been born in and raised in outside of the plight we constantly been dealt with and had to adjust to. So I would just like to thank you guys. I hope you guys cast this and finish off what we've already started and we've worked really hard over the years to get where we are today. So. I also work for Mercy Housing, and together with Park and Rec, I hope this goes through, and thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that was our last caller, so seeing no further public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Commissioners, uh, Chair would entertain a motion. So moved. Second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 It is unanimous. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Um, I mentioned this development was called Hope SF, and you're making this hope a reality for a lot of people. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, we are now on item nine, Trans Bay Block 3 Park, naming with Barbara.
put something on there, right? SFGov TV, we have a presentation. Thanks. Hello, commissioners. I'm here before you to discuss the possible action to pre-approve a name for what is currently known as Block 3 Park. Before we begin, my name is Barbara Swan Shami, and I am the Manager of Policy and Public Affairs with the Recreation and Parks Department. I'm here today with Mike Reeker, who represents the East Cut Community Benefit District and manage the community naming process. During this presentation, I'll briefly describe the background of the site and give an overview of the project. Mike will then walk you through the community engagement process for naming the park, and I'll conclude with a recommendation for a pre-approval of a future park name. The reason for the pre-approval is this is a multi-agency project. Block 3 Park is currently owned by the Office of Investment and Infrastructure, or OCII. San Francisco Public Works is a project manager. Reckon Park is the future owner and operator. And we're working in collaboration with the East Cut CBD that in addition to leading the naming process is also a future programming partner of the site. The park design has been finalized and the project partners have requested that the Parks Commission pre-approve the name to simplify construction plans in part because the park name will be prominently featured on the side of the stewardship building at the edge of the park. So the site, the block three parcels in downtown San Francisco, two blocks west of the waterfront and one block south of the Salesforce Transit Center. The one acre site was part of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area that was adopted in 2005 and consists of 40 acres that previously contained the demolished Embarcadero Freeway. Block three park is located in the middle parcel and is bounded by Howard, Beale, Folsom and Main Streets. The park site has a rich history and the community was encouraged to consider the history when naming the park. Prior to Spanish colonization, the park was mainly tidal marshlands that were navigated by the Native Americans, including the Ramatushaloni. During colonization, the area became a port and during the gold rush, the area was quickly developed and the ports were infilled. During this time, docked ships that were either abandoned or could no longer sail were buried under the site, and there's still ships buried there today. After the infill, the newly formed parcels became mostly warehouses, including ironworks and later coffee roasters. In 1959, the Embarcadero Freeway opened and the bisected many parcels, including Block 3. And more recently, the site was used as the Transbay Terminal, where bus services dropped off and picked up Transbay passengers. The beautiful new park. The image on the screen shows that the new park rendering and after a multi-year public engagement process, the park design was approved by the San Francisco community, by the San Francisco Arts Commission, and by both OCII and Reckon Park Commissions. The design's intended to complement neighboring parks and strives to be a vibrant green respite. The image on the screen is looking from the southwest corner where the children's play area is. So I'd like to take a moment to highlight the children's play area, which includes a custom brown wooden pelican um, sculpture or playground, which is a, pays tribute to the site as being a former port. And I also want to highlight the stewardship building, where you can see the park name will be prominently featured. And I'll now turn the floor over to Mike, who will detail the naming process. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, commissioners, for having me here today. 
Uh, as Barbara said, my name is Mike Rieger. I am the Deputy Director of the East Cat Community Benefit District. Uh, before I go through the naming process, I'll talk to you a little bit about the history of the East Cat Community Benefit District. Um, we are one of 17 community benefit districts in the city. We were formed in uh, 2015 as the Greater Rincon Hill Community Benefit District um, and later changed the name to help unify the neighborhood. Uh, we uh, were created by area property owners and other stakeholders to advance the neighborhood's quality of life, enhance the public realm, and reinforce its viability of the economic base. Um, the East Cut CBD is a 501c3 nonprofit. We are supported by over 4,900 properties in the neighborhood. Uh, we provide cleaning and safety services 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, above and beyond city baseline services. We also provide community programming and placemaking uh, and work with property managers and the city to make the public realm more enjoyable for all. And lastly, I should say that the East Cut CBD was formed primarily around the need for stewardship of parks, namely Salesforce Park, Emerald Park, and then we knew that the Transbay Block 3 Park was coming. We also help uh, facilitate operations at Guy Place Mini Park, uh, which is a rec park facility, as you probably all know. Um, so I'll briefly go over the naming process and then I'll discuss in detail each of these items. Uh, the process began in August of 2022 with community meeting one. Uh, we then had a two week period post meeting one to collect name ideas from the community. Um, we then hosted a name ranking process uh, for three weeks where folks would rank out of the total names received their highest desirable names. Uh, there was a break um, we went on hold uh, for in order for Rec and Park staff to discuss with Native Tribes one of the names that was recommended. Uh, but then we picked up the process again April of this year for Community Meeting 2, where we reported the ranking results of all the names. Uh, and then we had a week period post Community Meeting 2 where we allowed the community to vote on a final uh, desired name. Um, so community meeting one, as I said, was held in August 2022. The meeting was virtual. COVID was still considered an issue at that time, so it was completely virtual. Um, <clears throat> at that meeting, we had staff from San Francisco Public Works who designed the park, uh, as well as the Office Community of Investment and Infrastructure. They are the uh, site owner currently, uh, and then as well as Rec and Park staff. Uh, the attendance was low. This meeting was held after work hours at six, uh, but there were nine attendees. Um, we did basically outline the naming process, what uh, type of names people should be promoting uh, for the park, uh, also giving guidelines for non-person names, but also person names, um, basically noting history, location, design of the park for non-person names, and then uh, people that had long-time commitment to the neighborhood um, or uh, were nominated by neighbors, lived, worked, owned businesses in the neighborhood, or made a health, educational, or economic impact in the neighborhood for a name for the park. Um, <clears throat> the ideation process, uh, as I said, was held for two weeks post-community meeting one. Uh, we accepted names via SurveyMonkey and email submission, uh, as well as we hosted, the East Cut CBD hosted a table at Sunday Street Soma which um, we've been told there were about 40,000 uh, participants in Sunday Street Soma. So we did have a steady flow of people coming by uh, and we did give people the opportunity to recommend names at that table. 
Um, we also advertise this process via social media, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the EastCut website, and the EastCut monthly newsletter, the latter of which has approximately 2,800 recipients. We received 78 name ideas from 41 different people. Uh, we then had the ranking process, which was a three-week process, as I said. It was conducted over SurveyMonkey, um, and <clears throat> respondents were asked to rank their preferred names uh, one through three, one being given the highest weight, two the middle weight, and three the least amount of weight. Uh, we, again, advertise via social media, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the EastCut website, EastCut newsletter, and Public Works, who hosts the project website, uh, also posted it on their channels. Uh, we received 363 responses on that survey. Um, <clears throat> and you'll note through the weighting, um, Candace Park received the highest number of responses as well as the highest weight. Uh, with the other choices highest ranked were Ohlone Park, Eastcott Park, Coffee Park, and Pelican Park. Um, I will talk a little bit about the final community naming survey. Um, as I said, Rec Park staff spoke with Native tribes about Ohlone Park being considered. The tribes recommended that not be included in this process because it didn't recognize all of the different tribes in the area, so it was removed. Um, <clears throat> but I will talk a little bit about what these names, where they came from, um, and sort of some history behind them. So Candace Park is the name of a Gold Rush era ship that um, set sail from Boston in 1815. It was one of the first ships to cross uh, around South America, bringing goods to the West Coast with an American flag on it. Um, it ran goods up and down the coast, and then um, it hit an iceberg in the Arctic Ocean. Uh, and it had transitioned to a whaling vessel at that point, and it could not make its way back to Boston, so it docked in Yerba Buena Cove, here where the side of the park is. Um, the ship was then found in 2005 when they were excavating for the Infinity Tower at Folsom and Main Street. Um, they unearthed the vessel and the port currently houses it in a warehouse in Mission Bay. Um, it is not open to the public, but they do have it and I think there is a hope that one day that ship could be on display somewhere. Um, Coffee Park was nominated by the public uh, because during the gold rush, the Hills brothers and the Folger family came to San Francisco and started their coffee companies uh, in the East Cut neighborhood. Both headquarters uh, exist, the buildings exist today, one block from the park uh, on Spear Street. Um, the companies no longer operate out of San Francisco, uh, but the headquarters are still there and are used by the community. Um, East Cut Park is named after um, the neighborhood name that we came up with for the CVD. That references the cutting of Rincon Hill at 2nd and Harrison in 1869. Um, and so the cutting of Rincon Hill uh, facilitated moving goods from sort of the Oral, Oracle Park area up to downtown. And so through that cutting, um, we consider all of the neighborhood east of that 2nd Street cut the east cut. Uh, finally, Pelican Park was a name that was nominated by the neighborhood uh, based on the fact that the brown pelican is a native species in the Bay Area. Uh, it most certainly probably trolled the Yerba Buena Cove back in the day when this was the coast. Um, and also we have the playground structure, as Barbara mentioned, that is a pelican.
Uh, community meeting two was held in April from 6 to 7 p.m. This was hybrid. Uh, we had it in person at 200 Folsom, the former Greyhound Terminal, which is just south of the Future Park. Uh, we gave an updated presentation of community meeting one. We included the park design, uh, project schedule, and a description of the naming process and the presentation of the four community-nominated names. Uh, we also had a Q&A session at that meeting with the opportunity for those in attendance in person and on Zoom to publicly advocate for a name. Uh, we gave a paper ranking sheet to those in attendance and also had an online voting platform for those on Zoom. Uh, community members were also encouraged to send any additional letters of support for their desired name. Total attendance of that meeting was 18. Finally, uh, <clears throat> we had a one-week survey process for the final names, hosted on SurveyMonkey once again, uh, and respondents were asked to rank their number one and number two preferred names. Uh, we, again, advertised via, via social media, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, EastCut website, EastCut monthly newsletter, San Francisco Public Works, and Reckon Park added the information to their social channels and the project website. We received 545 responses. Uh, Pelican Park was ranked as the top preferred name with Coffee Park as the second preferred name. Uh, we received one letter of support for Candace Park uh, from a resident and the Transbay Citizens Advisory Committee uh, submitted a letter as well as D6 Supervisor Dorsey's office. And that is the end of my presentation. I'll turn it back over to Barbara. Thank you. I'd like to thank Mike and the East Cut CPD for leading an excellent community engagement process for the naming of the park. And based on the 81-point survey lead, the Recreation and Parks Department recommends that the commission name Block 3 Park Pelican Park. We recognize that some community members feel that Pelican Park does not represent the rich history of the site. And we would also support the commission naming the park either Coffee Park or Candace Park. To conclude, I want to thank you for considering the pre-approval for the naming of this park, and I appreciate everyone's time. Thank you very much. Okay, so we'll move to public comment on item nine. Is there anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment on item nine? Come on up, you'll have two minutes. Hi, Chris Jaxa. I'm, <clears throat> I've been a resident of the area for 21 years, and I sit on the Transbay CAC. I know Mark, uh, uh, Mike and Barbara, um, uh, Mike has done an excellent job with the CBD uh, naming process. Uh, when this uh, came out as Pelican Park, I was concerned it wasn't the best name. So I brought this to the Transbay CAC and I said, I don't think this is the best name. And we've had a formal meeting and we had a unanimous letter adopted. You have that in your packet. We favor Candace Park. Um, one, we gave a, uh, uh, Mike and Barbara gave excellent historical presentation. Um, I would just want you to be aware additionally that Alcatraz is Pelican Park. It's a national park. Uh, Alcatraz uh, is uh, transliterated as strange bird. Um, the birds were on Yerba Buena Island when the ships came in and they noticed these birds. They gave the name Alcatraces to that. It was adopted over on, onto um, the island of Alcatraz. So we already have one Alcatraz park um, in, the, in the bay. Um, and additionally, if you go up and down the coast of California, 
there's plenty of representation of Pelican Parks. Um, and so I think a better name for this space and place would be Candace Park. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to comment on item nine? Okay, seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our WebEx? No hands raised on the WebEx. Commissioners, public comment is closed. Okay, Commissioner Anderson. In reference to the comments from the former speaker, I, I, I just want to honor that. And these are tough processes. And <clears throat> I would say that also in the record, we did ha do have a rather nice letter written by Supervisor Matt Dorsey. And I'm assuming that, um, I'm hoping that his office looked at this long and hard and that were many discussions. And, and from the office of that district supervisor, there's a preference for Pelican Park. Thank you. Any other comments, questions? Commissioner Louie. I just, um, you know, uh, Commissioner Halsey, this came up at, at commission, at our committee meeting, and uh, one of the hardest things is for seven people here to choose a name. So, uh, Mike, you have done an amazing job. I had uh, so impressed with the outreach, with the community, um, with the honesty about the survey and what was taken, and it was taken again and again. And, um, you know, we, we like to just listen to what the community feels, why, um, and you did a lot of the over the virtual, and you admit that there was a, a low outcome, and you did it again at a street festival, you know. So if, if the community is liking Pelican Park, then I will vote for Pelican Park. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Hallisey. One of the things that came to mind at an operations committee meeting a couple of weeks ago, um, other than that of the name, was the shadow issue. Now, normally, the commission, there are existing parks and then structures will come up around that park and it'll usually come to us as far as uh, shadow on the park. This is actually being done in reverse here. We have the buildings there. We're putting the park in the middle of some high rises, but I will say that I was thrilled that there's a children's play area and, um, and I know and having Monica Scott here uh, two weeks ago that she said she would she was on top of it and doing her best in this project that there would not be, uh, they'd work as hard as they could to have minimal shadow on that, that children's play area. To me, that was as important, if, if not more important, than the naming of it. But I do agree with, with Commissioner Louie, and, and so much background history was uncovered um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the East Cut CBD uh, website, a newsletter, 2,800 readers. Um, to me, the people have spoken. Chris, thanks for being here and, and, and talking today. I, we appreciate that as well. But it, it's almost double the amount of the other choices uh, that Pelican Park be the name of this park. and. I would agree with Commissioner Louie. That's the way uh, I will vote today. Thank you. 
I don't see any other comments from commissioners. The chair would entertain a motion. So moved. Is there a second? Second. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 It is unanimous. Thank you very much, and I agree. The groundwork in <coughs> doing the community work was the hard part of this, and congratulations to all. Thank you. We are now on item 10, McLaren Park, Shelley Promenade with Brian. SFGov TV, Brian has a presentation. Still morning, right? Good afternoon. Good morning, commissioners. My <laughs> name is Brian Stokel. Good afternoon. Good morning, uh, <laughs> General Manager and Commission Secretary. The item before you today is the Shelley Promenade in McLaren Park. Discussion and possible action to recommend that the Board of Supervisors restrict private vehicles on a 2,100 foot long segment in the western portion of John Shelley Drive between the upper reservoir parking lot and Mansell Street in order to create a promenade for walking biking and other non-vehicular access to improve accessibility and mobility. Uh, the Shelley Promenade project was conducted in consultation with our city partners at SFMTA, the San Francisco Fire Department, the Mayor's Office of Disability, and with the community. The project supports three strategies in our strategic plan, Inspire Place, Inspire Play and Inspire Stewardship. Uh, today I'll be going, providing a general overview, the project area, a little bit of history and context, and the project details. <coughs> so the project area, John Shelley Drive is located in the park, John McLaren Park, in the southeast part of San Francisco. It forms a 1.3 mile loop within the park. For reference, uh, because it's a loop and starts and ends at the same street, uh, on this map you can see on the right, the orange segment is Shelley East. That goes past the amphitheater. The yellow segment is Shelley North, which goes past the new Redwood Grove Playground and Group Picnic. And the blue segment is Shelley West. that <coughs> starts at the upper reservoir parking lot and goes past the field of dogs. Uh, so at a glance, McLaren Park is a, our second largest park. It receives hundreds of thousands of visitors each year. Uh, and it has three miles of roadway with Shelley comprising 1.3 of those miles. There are over eight miles of trails and paths in the park and over 1,300 parking spaces. As I mentioned, we've had outreach. We conducted multiple meetings that included discussion of the Shelley Promenade including a meeting in February of this year dedicated to the Shelley Promenade. At these meetings, it received wide public support from the community. For uh, the vision plan of McLaren Park was published and adopted by the commission back in 2018. The plan called for considering ways to improve safety 
and connectivity in the park, among many things. Regarding roadways, it also called out for, quote, exploring trial roadway treatments, such as closing a portion of Shelley Drive to calm the road and to open up the closed segment to non-vehicular uses, similar to what's being proposed right now. In 2020, uh, as we all are familiar, the pandemic came to us and Mayor Breed announced that uh, Shelley Drive would be restricted from vehicular use just at the same time as JFK Drive was restricted. Um, nearly one mile was closed to vehicular access, uh, effectively creating that promenade. Uh, initially, it included the section from Cambridge to the upper reservoir parking lot. However, as shown in the map, it was shortened in 2021 due to the opening of the picnic, reopening of group picnic and the uh, new uh, playground and providing reestablishing access to that parking lot at the top of the hill near the reservoir tower. Uh, although the promenade was temporary, we were insured and let the public know that Rec and Park would return in the future to review how the public would feel about a permanent version of this. Just for some context in terms of usage, um, a study was conducted by SFMTA in 2015 and found that 350 cars passed on this segment of John Shelley Drive. Just for perspective, that is a very low traffic count. Um, just for comparison, Shelley East receives 1,200 cars a day and Mansell receives 6,000 cars per day. Um, we did conduct pedestrian counts and bike counts during uh, the, once it became a promenade on this segment and found that on weekends, 375 people passed by based on our counter. Uh, we also consulted with SFMTA regarding a possible permanent promenade that would restrict car access while maintaining pedestrian and bike access. And they found that the promenade would have no significant impacts on local vehicle traffic circulation while serving to promote walking and biking in the park. Due to this low vehicular roadway traffic and that the road does not connect to any neighborhood streets, uh, they support this action and they uh, do not see that it would have any adverse impacts. So the project proposed is after learning and talking to the public at these meetings, um, we are essentially proposing to make permanent where the current temporary promenade is located as shown in the map between the upper reservoir parking lot and Mansell. There were some comments about uh, some adjustments, which I'll go through in a moment. In detail, at the south end, near the Field of Dogs, there was a lot of feedback saying, hey, this area we can't get to for parking, and there's a lot of people that bring their dogs to McLaren Park, which is one of the biggest dog play areas in the city. Um, so we are proposing to restore street parking access to the field of dogs. As you can see on the map, there's a little bit of a connection between 
the road on Mansell and the barrier on uh, Shelley Promenade would begin about approximately 300 to 400 feet after the intersection, restoring um, quite a few parking spaces. We would also add bollards and a gate at this end to allow people to walk and bike and roll onto the promenade. In addition, um, we would pave the existing dirt path to create a multi-use path to connect to the existing Mansell promenade. That's marked in orange and yellow on the left. This new path is at the flattest point on the hill along Mansell and Shelley and would create an accessible way to get between these new promenades as well as connect to the nearest bus stop at uh, Shelley East, West and Mansell. To the north end, we would maintain the parking lot at Upper Reservoir so that people could access the water tower and the Upper Reservoir picnic areas. Uh, similar to the other end, there would be a series of bollards to allow people to walk and bike onto the promenade. We would also install a new blue zone parking spot as noted with the uh, <coughs> accessible sign on the map. Uh, the exact location we're working on, but there would be an accessible path from that parking spot to the promenade. Just for example, we would, this, so you have a context, these are examples of what the likely bollards or gates would look like that already exist at locations in McLaren Park or Golden Gate Park. The new promenade would complement the existing Mansell promenade, which goes from visitation to Brazil, and add additional length to the multi-use trail network and enhance essentially overall connectivity within McLaren Park. And it would create a new place for people to walk, recreate, and even a flat space for people to learn to ride a bike. <laughs> Staff recommends creation of the Shelley Promenade in McLaren Park and that the commission recommend that the Board of Supervisors restrict private vehicles on this segment of John Shelley Drive. That concludes my presentation. I'm available for questions. Thank, Thank you. you very much. All right, do we have anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment on item 10? Okay, seeing none, do we have anyone on the WebEx? I think we have some hand. You're not, are you commenting on item 10? Oh yeah, come on up. And then we'll move over to the WebEx after this commenter. Sorry, good morning, commissioners. Hope this is a shorter meeting than the last time I saw you. Uh, like a lot of San Franciscans, I've been here a long time, but really didn't uh, get a chance to explore McLaren Park until the pandemic um, in depth. We're having the car-free Promenade really um, brought me out there and got me to explore a lot more of the park. This proposal is really well considered and um, detailed um, in terms of accommodating access to all parts of the park, the parking lot, et cetera, while providing great car-free space for people to play and ride bikes and scooters and explore the rest of the park. Um, so and it has my full support. Uh, thank you to Brian and everyone else on the team for all your work putting this together. Thank you. Thank you very much. You want to come on up? 
Hi, good morning, commissioners. My name is Clara Mable. I'm the director of advocacy at the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. I'm here today to express our organization's unwavering support for a permanent car-free Shelly West Promenade. I grew up in downtown San Francisco with very limited options for public open space, so it was such a wonderful surprise to stumble upon Shelly West Drive when I moved to the Excelsior last year. I live a block away from McLaren Park, and I walk and bike on Shelly West Drive at least three times a week. McLaren Park is surrounded by equity priority communities like Visitation Valley, the Excelsior, Sunnydale, and Crocker Amazon. These communities have been historically underserved by city planning processes, which is apparent in the way streets are designed there. The topography and lack of protective bike infrastructure make it uninviting to get around on anything that isn't a car. Every main street to enter and exit the park from Persia, Mansell uh, to Sunnydale falls on the city's high injury network. That is 13% of city streets that account for 75% severe and fatal traffic collisions. From redesigning city streets to making streets and public parks car free, we need to be doing everything we can to slow speeds and make neighborhoods more walkable and bikeable. The temporary closure of Shelley West Drive during the pandemic has provided a space for local residents to walk their dogs, run, and bike freely without fear of being struck by a car, and we need more spaces like it, especially in historically underserved communities. Our organization supports Shelley West Promenade because we believe everyone should be able to enjoy um, the free to enjoy biking and the freedom of biking and walking without fear in a space that promises and ensures safety. So I encourage you all to make Shelly West Promenade permanent, and we look forward to seeing more spaces like this in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to comment on item 10? Okay, moving over to the WebEx, we have seven hands raised. If you can unmute the first caller. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Cyrus Hall. I'm a resident of D7. I'm calling to urge the Commission to permanently approve Shelley uh, Promenade as a car-free space. In 2020, uh, I was pretty desperate to get out of the house, and I started to widely walk the city, and I discovered both McLaren Park and Shelley Drive on one of my long walks. Uh, they were both revelations to me. I'd never really been to the area, and I quickly encouraged my nearby friends to visit. I've revisited a number of times with friends who live in the Excelsior, and they in turn have taken their kids. Uh, Shelly Promenade has served as the location for their kids to learn to ride their bikes. It's safe, it's car free, and it's beautifully situated. The Wrecking Parks report on Shelly Promenade notes that the promenade segment is not home to any of the park's main attractions, and I really want to beg to differ. A closed uh, Shelly is a point of attraction in and of itself. Let's learn from JFK and double down on that with arts and festivals for the community. Please approve a permanent Shelley Promenade. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. <coughs> Hi, my name is Audra Farrell and I live in the Excelsior, very close to the park. And I would like to see Shelly Drive permanently closed. I have a dog who's uh, very curious in cars and makes it very difficult for me to walk her near that area if, if that is open to cars. Uh, we're also out there quite early in the morning 
and see quite a regular stream of seniors using that um, to get their exercise. It's nice because it's not a trail, uh, it's a nice wide road and everyone has lots of space. So I would also like to see it's permanently closed. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi there, uh, my name is Luke Bornheimer and I am calling in support of making Shelley Promenade permanent um, and I want to thank Brian and the rest of the staff that have worked on this project over the past few years. <clears throat> As stated by many other people, um, Shelley Promenade and other car-free spaces in our city um, increase access and equity for people to get outside, to improve their physical health, um, and to uh, learn to ride bikes and other mobility devices that help people shift to more sustainable and active modes of transportation, which our city desperately needs in and outside of our parks. Um, Shelly Promenade is a great addition to our city. Um, it is one of the very few silver linings from the pandemic, um, and I hope that the commission um, supports it and sends it on to the full board uh, supervisors um, for approval so that we can move forward um, with this promenade in its permanence, as well as um, hopefully, you know, as, as, as Cyrus noted, um, further investments in this space so that um, it can become more activated and, and, and even better for people to visit, um, whether that's seating or events or other activation. Um, so again, thanks to Brian and staff, um, and I strongly support making this permanent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. It'll come up. Uh, hello, commissioners. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this issue. My name is Sarah Bars, and I am a D7 resident in San Francisco, and I am calling in to represent uh, Kids Safe SF. Kids Safe SF provided a letter of support for Shelley Promenade. We strongly think that this is a great addition to McLaren Park. It creates space that uh, enhances safety for all road users, offers space for active communities, and then presents opportunities for greater community engagement in McLaren Park. So please support making Shelley Promenade and McLaren Park a permanent feature of the park. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, good morning again, uh, commissioners. This is Stephen Deepak Kalani, and I really apologize for not being in person at uh, at the commission meeting. I just returned from Europe, and so I'm, but I'm calling in in support of um, of, of this uh, item. I'm also a member of the uh, McLaren Collaborative, uh, and I want to say that with all the meetings that we've had, Brian has been superb at, at listening to what the community wanted. So I want to say that we support this and um, I hope you vote in closing uh, this portion of McLaren Park. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, commissioners. My name is Leanne Chang. I, I'm a resident of D1 and um, on the board of WAC SF, but speaking for myself. Um, calling in support of making Shelley Promenade permanent. I'm really sorry that I accidentally called in and gave my comment on an earlier item by accident. I don't have childcare today, so I'm uh, a little bit, a little bit wild. But um, 
this is such an awesome opportunity to create this amenity for the communities that are adjacent to McLaren and for the whole city to come together in a space on the southeast side of the city. I've enjoyed visiting McLaren with my family, primarily to go to the bike park, um, but just have been blown away by this space that, you know, for those of us who don't live nearby, has often like flown under the radar and I'm just really excited to, to have something, you know, to, to continue to build McLaren into something that's gonna attract more and more visitors and just serve the whole community. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, hi, my name is Emily Houston and I'm calling on behalf of Walk San Francisco to share our wholehearted endorsements of making the car-free space on Shelley Drive permanent. Every day, an average of three people are hit while walking in San Francisco. Parks can and should be a refuge from dangerous vehicle traffic in our city. So not only is the car-free space on Shelley Drive already hugely popular, but these car-free spaces support the city's Vision Zero policy and climate goals. They also make our parks even safer and more welcoming for all ages and abilities, inspiring more people to be active. With the passage of a car-free Shelley Drive, your leadership supports health, safety, recreation, and clean air for everyone in our parks. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, hi, commissioners. My name is Scott Feeney, and just to briefly reprise my comment that I made to the operations committee, um, I, I strongly support this project. Uh, this is a really thoughtful plan that Brian and the team have come up with. And um, during the pandemic, I kind of like discovered the Shelley Promenade as a refuge to get out to that was essential for my mental health. And even today, it's like just a beautiful place for nature in the city and for like peace and calm, and also a great place to watch the sunset. And what's great about this plan too is that it's been really thoughtful in terms of increasing uh, access, which is so essential. Um, so anyway, I'm urging you to support this and make sure we accommodate permanent. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Hi, uh, my name is Ren Volpe, and I am an Excelsior resident and a member of the McLaren Collaborative. Working with the Collaborative uh, um, the last 10 years, uh, my my personal interest has been in traffic calming, and Brian has been really helpful in our previous efforts. Um, before the closure, this part of Shelly Drive was just used speeding through the park. People doing donuts or people smashing and grabbing cars in the parking lot and then speeding away. And uh, the gardeners have told me there's been a whole lot less dumping and car break-ins since we've closed it. Um, we've been told in the past that there's no way we're ever gonna be able to afford to put sidewalks there. So this closure has been really important because nobody could use it before. There were no sidewalks. It's not a main artery. There's no downsides to closing it. And the collaborative is really looking forward to activating this promenade with community events. We have heard in negative feedback, and I just, uh, I hope that you vote in favor of keeping this section of Shelly Drive permanently closed. Thank you. I believe that was our last caller. Anyone else commenting on this item before I move on? Okay, seeing no further public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Commissioner Mazzola. Thank you. So I guess my opinion is gonna be unpopular, but I like to speak against this motion. 
Why change now, right, Phil? Um, I feel like we've closed enough roads in the city and traffic is already challenging. And I voted against closing the Great Highway and I voted against closing JFK Drive. So I'm gonna stay consistent and vote no on this item. Thank you. Commissioner Anderson. Um, thank you, Commissioner Mazzola. I'm really glad that you're speaking your mind. Speak truth to power always. Um, I just wanted to- He is the power. Yes, yeah. I know. But he's speaking to the rest of us. <laughs> Um, I actually voted to close uh, the portion that's now J JFK Promenade. It had been going out there several times a week and really enjoying the experience out there. And so I expect that this will be a positive closure as well. And I've learned some things too and just want to put a gentle nudge out there to the Bike Coalition and people who ride bikes. I'm going to throw your comment back at you with one word change and that is... We need to walk freely without fear of being hit by a bike. This is a real thing. It's a problem on JFK Promenade, and I want to see it not become a problem on Shelley West Promenade, all right? Thank you, Commissioner Louie. Commissioner Mazzola, we just love you more every time you go into dissent, yeah, and right. we really <laughs> appreciate your, <laughs> your, your comments. Um, I think we can use JFK promenade closure as a clear example of what it has benefited and contributed to recreation, mental health, and dogs and people, seniors and everyone. And this closure is, is 0 .04 miles of Shelley Drive, so it's a smaller section, but once again, we listen to public comment as we sit up here and read letters that we receive, and everyone, um, the community, just really appreciates no cars on Shelley, Shelley West. So thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Hallisey. I understand Commissioner Mazzola's thoughts about Great Highway and, and JFK that was a back and forth, very contentious battle at times. This seems to me to be almost 100% in favor uh, of the folks in that community. Uh, also, as Brian mentioned, uh, emergency vehicles will have total access to this stretch, even if it does indeed um, get shut down. And if there are no other comments, uh, I move that we recommend the permanent closing of John Shelley Drive west to vehicular traffic. Thank you, Commissioner. And, and it has been well, seconded. Eventually, yes, we'll we're get sending there. this to the board with our recommendation. Because there is a dissenting vote, I'm going to ask the Secretary to call the roll. Okay. On the motion to send this to the board with your recommendation to approve, Commissioner Buell? Aye. Commissioner Anderson? Aye. Commissioner Hallisey? Aye. Commissioner Louie? Aye. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Aye. Commissioner Mazzola? No, thanks. Okay, so that is uh, five ayes and one no. Thank you. Passes. Thank the staff, but I was going to make a comment, and I'll make it now. Rarely in the history of this department or commission do we get testimony that's 100% in favor of something, so I want to thank Commissioner Mazzola for keeping the record intact that we have yet <laughs> to achieve that. 
<clears throat> All right, we're okay. now on item 11, general public comment. Uh, continued from item four. Is there anyone else in room 416 who'd like to comment on something that isn't on the agenda today? Okay, seeing none, do we have anyone on our WebEx? No raised hands, no public comment, so public comment is closed. Item 12, commissioners matters. Commissioners, do you have any matters? I have one matter. I'd, I'd, I'd like Commissioner Jupiter Jones to introduce the uh, eighth member of our commission and uh, welcome her Welcome her to our meeting. I know. This is uh, Rio Alcantara, and she's sitting in. She was definitely in favor of Pelican Park. Uh, Very excited about that mm -hmm. name, right? And of more space to ride bike and walk without cars. So. You're welcome anytime to... Come to our meeting. And she's a proud member of the San Francisco Bay Sox. Uh, very good. Coffee. Thank you very much. Right. Yes, yeah. and super cute. Yeah. Yes. All right. And we're ready for summer school to start next week. <laughs> Commissioner Anderson, did you have something? Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to um, Rec Park contracted designer Hoichi Kurisu and the stonemasons who visited from Japan and the owner of the quarry that donated um, the TEF to the Japanese tea garden. They have done their work around the base of the pagoda. It's absolutely beautiful, and we are now embarking on the rest of the renovation, uh, the landscaping, which in involved growing roots around some, some critical trees. We have to grow some extra roots so that when they're taken out of the ground, they, they won't be too traumatized. So it's moving apace, and it's a beautiful project. And while this is Commissioner's Matters, uh, Mr. General Manager, what would you like to say? I am not a commissioner in this jurisdiction. Uh, <laughs> but I did want to, because she just walked into the room and she's working and working her magic, there is somebody here who is a recent graduate of the San Francisco Emerging Leaders Program, mm. making her not an emerging leader, but a leader. <laughs> and her name is Beverly Ng. Yay, and Beverly. She's so busy. Focused. She's so busy right now. She's so busy. Can't even be honored. Because it is budget day <laughs> that we are trying to honor you, Beverly, for successfully <laughs> completing our the city's emerging leaders program. And as Congratulations. I said, and as Yay, I Beverly. Said, and as I said to Beverly, the only you know weird thing about that is that you're already fully emerged as a leader. So um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, back to work by Beverly. Yes. <laughs> Sec please continue on the agenda, Secretary. Okay, uh, quickly calling public comment on commissioners' matters. Anyone in room 416? No raised hands on the WebEx, so public comment is closed. We're now on item 13, new business agenda setting. Does anyone have any new business or agenda setting items? Okay, public comment. You sure? Okay. <laughs> public comment on item 13. Anyone in room 416? <laughs> And no one on the WebEx. Public comment is closed. We're now on item 14, communications. Any public comment on communications? No raised hands. Public comment is closed. We're now on item 15, adjournment. So moved. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Thank you, one and all.